0: coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Monday evening where we continue our reflections into the Book of Revelation. I know last week we had to re-air a few programs because I was out of town, so it is good to be back and continuing our reflection into the Book of Revelation and doing so in a new year. So happy, secular new year to you. And I should say, religious as well, right? Because what did we talk about two weeks ago? I know there are a few questions out there as it relates to the calendar and the timeline that I talked about. And if you were to go back to that discussion a few weeks ago, it was Emperor Diocletian who insisted that he was God, right? And this Caesar decided to fully emphasize his all-importance by introducing a what but a new dating system, which started from the year he began to reign. I mean, (laughs) how audacious is that? He was saying, in effect, history didn't matter until I became emperor. Date everything starting from me. I am the new dawn. I am the new horizon. All things start and end with me. That is what he was saying, (laughs) okay? Now, in the 5th century, Dionysius says, no, 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 no. By beginning his calendar with Christ's birthday, Dionysius made a bold and daring statement. Jesus is king. Caesar is not. What Dionysius did was nothing less than a revolution, which has lasted into our day. This is why when we celebrate the new year, we make a bold affirmation that the world recognizes Jesus Christ as king above all other kings, huh? This is why we could say just not happy secular new year, but also happy religious new year. And certainly this subject matter is providential, huh? as I wish you this January 2nd Happy Secular and Religious New Year. Now, we say secular because typically we juxtapose it against the liturgical year, which starts with the first Sunday of Advent. And yes, there is a very specific Catholicity to the liturgical year, but there's a very specific point to be had that Dionysius wants us to hear 1,500 years later, Jesus Christ is King. Every time we put a date on a letter, on a memo, on a letter of recommendation. We are declaring Jesus Christ as king because what are we proclaiming? Well, if it's January 2nd, 2017, we are proclaiming that Jesus Christ is still king (laughs) almost 2,000 years after his death. So, something to be thinking about. I'm talking about this because a few of you, after I talked about this a couple weeks ago, made the observation, huh, Joe, that's interesting. (laughs) Yeah, it's not only interesting, it's more than interesting, right? It can actually be something life-changing when you begin to really reflect into the significance of what we're talking about here. Dionysius, my friends, really did launch a revolution by what he did, and a revolution that we don't even think about anymore, but one that we are a part of every waking second. Because every waking second is tied to this calendar. It's an interesting thing to think about. It's a fascinating thing to think about. And it can actually be something that leads to a deeper conversion. And is this not what we're about here on Seeds of Truth? All that being said, I want to get to a second point before we jump back into the verses themselves. And that is your continued surprise about how much practical reflection there is into the book of Revelation. And what do I mean by that? We've been hitting biblical theology pretty hard in our study on the book of Revelation. That is, getting into how Jesus Christ and the Church fulfill so much of the thrust of the prophecy and history of the Old Testament. But as you know, we've been making a point to hit the pause button again and reflect into the many verses in the book of Revelation that provide for us practical reflections that have us going deeper into our faith where we are looking at not only certain saints, but virtues, and what it means to lay our life down for Christ. And as I was reflecting into your continued surprise, I was made to go back into the importance of Lectio Divina. I have talked about Lexio Divina on at least a couple other occasions since I've been here on Seeds of Truth, but I thought it would be good to go back into some of that and to really think about it in the context of the book of Revelation. Because in many ways, this is what we should be doing, right? This is how I prepare some of my programming. We go through Michael Barber, we hit some of Peter Williamson and and Scott Hahn, but I do make a point to pray with the verses that we talk about, that our reflections do go deeper, and by the grace of God go I and seeds of truth. Now, as relates to Lexio Divina, what I want to speak to here is really going into something that was put out by Dan Burke. Many of you know Dan Burke. He is an EWTN personality, a popular author and speaker. His book, Navigating the Interior Life, was a a bestseller. He has authored a number of other books, most recently a book titled Into the Deep, and I've had the chance to talk to him recently about that, and I'm excited about that book and the impact it's clearly having on many. He is a, a man of prayer and and consequently a man who has a lot to say about prayer, uh, because a lot of his books very much come from his heart. So um, I thought what we could do is go to some of his reflections into Lexio Divina. Now, as we go through what Lexio Divina is all about, I want you as the listener to keep in mind what we are talking about in the light of the book of Revelation, so as to stir your heart so as to get you thinking that, yeah, this is probably something we should be doing with the Book of Revelation. That is Lexio Divina. All right, what is Lexio Divina? Well, Lexio Divina means literally divine reading, and refers specifically to an approach to prayer and Scripture reading practiced by the monastics since the early Church. Now, the idea of praying with sacred Scripture comes to the Church through ancient Jewish tradition. Many of you know that. Christians in the early Church continued this tradition and further developed the practice of prayer and meditation using mostly what? But the Psalms as a rich source of, of heartfelt engagement with God. Now, if you were to go into church history, you see this development is quite evident in early church history. We read about it in the 48th chapter of the Rule of St. Benedict. So this takes us all the way back to the 5th century. Now, in the 11th century, a Cartusian prior named Guigo, formalized Lectio Divina, describing the practice in a famous letter written to a fellow religious, and this letter has become known as the Ladder of Monks. The Ladder of Monks. Now, the Ladder of Monks describes a four-runged ladder to heaven, if you will. huh? Now, each rung was one of four steps in this method of prayerfully reading Scripture. So you can already begin to sense the importance of Lexio Divina as it relates to really any book of the Bible, let alone the book of Revelation. Now, what are these four steps? The first is Lexio, Lexio, which just simply means reading. It is an intensive, slow, repetitious recitation of a short passage of Scripture. So here on Seeds of Truth, we might go through two verses, four verses, six verses, or maybe eight verses. Typically, it's going to be a short block of verses, because in a short block of verses, we can spend more time with it, right? The one thing I don't want to do is just bull rush the book of Revelation and be done with it in a month. We are in our fourth month, and yes, we are in chapter 21. We're almost done, but we are in our fourth month. We have been in the book of Revelation for a long time, and as we've been working through so many of these verses with the aid of Michael Barber's Coming Soon and and Peter Williamson's commentary, Catholic Commentary on Sacred Scripture, we have included some of our own reflections uh, that have allowed, hopefully, us to be more enriched in our study on the book of Revelation. So, reading an attentive, slow, repetitious recitation of a short passage of Scripture. Uh, Guigo says of Lectio, "...looking on Holy Scripture with all one's will and wit." with all one's will and wit. Okay, the second step, meditatio, meditation, an effort to understand the passage and apply it to one's own life. Guigo says of meditatio, a studious searching with the mind to know what was before concealed. I love that, a studious searching with the mind to know what was before concealed. How about the third step, oratio. Oratio simply means prayer. So we are engaging or talking with God about the passage. Uh, Guigo says, a devout desiring of the heart to get what is good and avoid what is evil. So we have to open ourselves up to God here, huh? Remember, prayer is conversation with God, engaging God, talking with God. And how about the contemplatio, the last step? Contemplation, allowing oneself to be absorbed in the words of God as the Holy Spirit draws us deeper into his presence through scripture. In the words of Guigo, the lifting up of the heart to God, tasting somewhat of the heavenly sweetness. Tasting somewhat of the heavenly sweetness. Now, Dan Burke offers for us here, and I think this is quite important, a step-by-step. And as he says here, as with any serious attempt to progress in the spiritual life, the practice of Lexu Divina will require deliberate patience. And I think this is a widely important point that Dan Burke makes here, because we have to be deliberate if we are going to actually advance in a spiritual life. Dan Burke recommends 10 minutes a day. I might even recommend a little more, 15 or 20. We have to spend a little extra time. 10 minutes is good. 10 minutes suffices. But I'd like to think about uh, Lexo Divina as a more formal encounter with God, So putting it to the analogy of a relationship, kind of like going out on a date with God. Usually our dates don't last as short as 10 minutes. And maybe our dating is going to Mass and our Lexio Divina is something we do before or after Mass that works. But the point here is making sure you're spending time with God. And so I just talked about doing it before or after Mass. The best way to do this is to actually schedule the time. Make sure it has a beginning and an end. To try to squeeze Lectio Divina into our schedules after they are already full, my dear friends, never works. Never works. And we have to prepare ourselves. You know, Dan Burke makes the point here. We should arrange a place to pray that is restful and devoid of any distractions or things that might distract us. Computers, TVs, our iPhones, huh? (laughs) Really, today, the iPhone is probably the greatest distraction. Now once our environment is properly prepared, we can then assume that proper bodily posture that is conducive to prayer and reading. Now when we consider a posture, I've talked about this before, we must think about going on bended knee, going before our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament on bended knee and begin the process of Lexu Divina. That's the best way to do it. So with a proper posture and the like, we are then able to turn our hearts to God. begin to breathe slowly and deeply, focusing on simple attentiveness to the Lord until we are relaxed and able to really focus in on sacred scripture. If our minds wander, we should avoid any frustration or self-condemnation and just simply gently bring our attention back to our Lord and the text we are reading, breathing in and out in a very purposeful and relaxed manner. Now, it is important to note here that unlike in non-Christian forms of Eastern prayer, which seek to empty the mind, Christian prayer seeks to fill our minds with an intentiveness to God. And this is a clear distinction between non-Christian forms of prayer and Christian forms of prayer. If there's an emptying, it is only an emptying so that God can fill us back up, right? Certainly an important distinction. Purposeful effort my dear friends, yields a constant aiming and re-aiming of our hearts and minds towards God and his living word, the sacred text. So this aspect of preparation is very important to the larger four-step process of Lexio Divina. Okay, as it relates to maybe a little more reflection to these four steps, I think it's worthwhile, especially as we are talking about applying this to the book of Revelation. And I say that, my dear friends, because although we are in chapter 21, that doesn't mean you can't go back to the beginning of the book of Revelation and apply it and begin the practice of Lexiodivina Divina with chapter 1, verse 1, and and subsequent verses. My hope is actually that you're just not reading the book of Revelation for the first and only time with our treatment of it on Seeds of Truth, but it actually encourages you to go back. So, Lexio Divina would be a means to which you could go back and reread the book of Revelation. Now, Lexio, what more could we say? Well, we have to first be mindful that Lexio Divina really started as a preparation for Mass. So, if we want to pray in the heart of the Church, we should look at the passages and even the daily passages that come to us for Mass. That's a great place to start, and in many ways, it's the most advisable place to start. Now, that being said, any text of Scripture will do. The key here is not to rush, right? The goal is not to finish any particular portion of sacred scripture, but to, as Dan Burke puts it here, to purposefully delve into the depths of any passage that will lift our hearts to God. Now, just before we begin reading, we should trace the sign of the cross on the scriptures, kiss the cross we traced, and then begin to read very slowly, vocally, and gently, coming to an understanding of the words themselves along with the related ideas and images that surface. This is what should begin the process, the lexio process. How about meditatio, that effort to understand the passage and apply it to our own life? Here, we must meditate on what we have read, visualizing it, my friends, and listening for our Lord's prompting or His guiding. We are to seek the deeper spiritual meaning of the words as we place ourselves in our particular gospel scene as actually one of the participants. This is one of the great joys, my friends, of practicing Lectio Divina, to actually put yourself into a particular scene. Maybe you might find yourself next to the Samaritan woman, and you can hear our Lord's words differently as He's encountering the Samaritan woman. This is what Lectio Divina is all about. In this second step of meditation, my friends, we don't strain or exert extreme effort. We simply allow the words to penetrate our hearts and minds and follow where God leads us through the text. Sometimes it is helpful to slowly repeat the passage or word over and over again until the captivation conversation with God on the passage subsides. Allow the spirit to lead. Once again, what is important here is silence, and careful listening. And as we begin to respond or converse with God about our encounter with Him, it is then we move to Orazio, that engagement, that conversation with God. Now in Orazio, as we touched upon it, as we are drawn into the passage, we begin to converse with God about what we are actually reading. Orazio, my friends, is simply the response of the heart to God. Now it is important to remember here that God has revealed himself as a person. So when we talk with him, it is sometimes helpful to bring this to mind. As we have touched upon over a hundred times here on Seeds of Truth, our conversation with God and Jesus Christ should be as natural as with someone whom we are deeply in love with. This is what Arazio is all about. And what you will find is that he will call you deeper, is that he will invite you to go deeper, He will call you to become lost in this heavenly dialogue with Him. And as you are getting lost in this heavenly dialogue with Him, you will find yourself going deeper and deeper and deeper. There will be a desire put on your heart to go deeper and deeper and deeper. What have I said about courtship with God? Is not the aim of the spiritual life to desire to be with God as much as God desires to be with us? That is the essence of the spiritual life, to close the gap between the person we are and the person we ought to be, which has us what? Finding Jesus in that gap. So this ratio that has us more attentive to him will ultimately lead us to contemplation. And here, God satisfies our ultimate thirst and needs as the Holy Spirit prays with us, as the Holy Spirit prays in us, and as the Holy Spirit prays through us. Sometimes we recognize this work in our hearts. Sometimes it is merely a matter of faith that He is with us and imparting His life-changing grace to us. Always we can know that He is changing us because He has promised us that what, my friends, the Word of God never returns void. And that, as St. Paul says, faith comes from hearing the Word of God. So to sum up Guigo's thoughts on the four elements, we can say that reading is about seeking, meditation is about finding, prayer, as we have talked about it so many times, is about asking, and contemplation is about tasting. So in the Lectio and reading, we seek. In the Meditatio and meditation, we find. In the Oratio and praying, we ask. And in the Contemplatio and contemplation, we taste. My dear friends, When you read the book of Revelation, set yourself up in a sacred space. Give yourself the opportunity to really enter into a prayerful reading of the sacred text, and of course, in this case, the book of Revelation. All right, I'm looking up at the clock, and we're almost out of time, and we didn't get to any verses, but lest we don't get to any verses, let us jump back into the book of Revelation. Um, Now, where are we? Revelation chapter 21, verse 7. Maybe some of you want to actually leave the radio program right now and do Alexio Divina with Revelation chapter 21 verse 7, that would be fine. I encourage you to leave right now. I would certainly encourage you to begin this practice sooner than later, Uh, maybe before our next radio program. But for this radio program, let us look at Revelation chapter 21 verse 7 and consider the importance of the inheritance of the saints, huh? because this is really what Revelation 21 verse 7 is about. And 21 verse 7 reads, he who conquers shall have this heritage and I will be his God and he shall be my son. All right, so what are we to glean from this passage? Well, to the least of which we could say that salvation isn't just another legal transaction where God, the judge, says to us, not guilty or guilty. Salvation, my friends, is an entrance into God's very life and love, which is family. This is seen here as God says what? I will be his God and he shall be my son. Sonship is also implied in the promise of a what but heritage, since inheritance is given, not to strangers, but to one's children, right? You ever think about that before? John is probably borrowing here from Psalm chapter 2. If you to go to Psalm chapter 2, verses 7 to 8, we read of God's promise to His Son as a what? Inheritance. Now, what's interesting here is the language, I will be His God, and He shall be my Son, that we just read in Revelation chapter 21, verse 7, has us going back to that famous passage in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33. I shall be their God, and they shall be my people. This is what? This is covenant language. And certainly, as we have seen, Covenants involve the forging of family bonds, and covenants make families. That's the essence of what covenant life is all about. Not this is yours and this is mine, but I am yours and you are mine. And this is what the whole New Testament, New Covenant bears witness to. I am yours and you are mine. You see, my friends, chapter 21, verse 7, like so many of these verses in the book of Revelation, are absolutely loaded loaded with practical reflection, as we have been discussing so often, to just simply appreciate the importance of this verse, verse 7, and to just pray with it. That verse, I will be his God, and he shall be my son. The essence of divine sonship, my friends. What did Superman say to his son? (laughs) It is in becoming a father that I now understand what it means to be a son. I could never say true words. It is in becoming a father that I better understand what it means to be a son. Sonship. Covenant life with God. This is what the Christian and Catholic life is all about. This is what the sacramental life is all about. This is what it means to be a faithful Christian and Catholic and to share this with the world in word and deed. To give glory to God in the light of this sonship. This is what it's all about. And these are the kinds of things we ought to be thinking about In the lieu of that one verse. And so I encourage you, my friends, as we wrap up our radio program this evening, to go into these verses, verse by verse, as we have been hitting them, and to call upon the Holy Spirit. And be assured, my friends, the Holy Spirit will inspire you, inspire you to go deeper and deeper and deeper. And at the same time, the Holy Spirit will disclose new and beautiful truths. Amen. Amen. All right, let us close with a word of prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Good and gracious God, we do just give you a special thanks and praise for the gift of another day, and we should say another new year in which to praise you, in which to be more resolved to serve you and glorify you, that our New Year's resolution is in fact one that is rooted in a grace-filled resolve to serve you and glorify you. And we do so... In the light of what we have been talking about this evening, where we first enter deeper into a life of prayer, where we prayerfully read Scripture so that we might uh, better understand the ways in which you are working in our life and how you are calling us to serve you and glorify you. And as always, we pray these things through the intercession of your Mother. As we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX.